Hello, creeps. Welcome to the Horror Vanguard. I'll be your ghost. I mean host for today's exciting tale of terror. Doomsday, or the Great Scottish Mad Max Medieval Anti-Capitalist Pandemic Documentary. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another quarantine special, another pandemic episode. This is where Ash and I um, sit through, sit through? We watch, we watch, and we talk about um, the various ways that horror films have tried to process and deal with the dangers of viral pandemic throughout history. Um, it is our way of, of trying to find some catharsis through through horror media about what we are all collectively living through at the moment, I hope. Uh, wherever you are in the world, that you're doing okay. Um, and uh, as always, I'm uh, joined by my friend and comrade, my spooky co-ghost, Ash. Ash, how are you? Um, I'm doing pretty good, all things considered. Uh, we are still here. We're still here, which is pretty good news, considering everything that is going on in the world. Um, <laughs> Ash, this week was my week to to choose a pandemic-based film. And you chose wisely. I I chose I chose something that I ge- genuinely deeply love even though if I'm being if I put on my like nitpicky critic hat I can freely admit that it's deeply flawed. Today we are talking about Neil Marshall's 2008 film Doomsday. Uh that's how you have to say it as well. That's how you have to say it. I mean you can't you can't say Doomsday in in any kind of normal voice. No, absolutely not. Um, I I had seen this film quite a few times and was a big fan. Had you seen this before? No, no, I just watched it after you suggested it. Uh, well, why don't we start there? Like, first impressions? It's, it's fucking rules. <laughs> this movie's amazing. <laughs> it's got it's got everything I want. In most of my movies, it's got it's got weird Mad Max uh, uh, apocalypse uh, warrior types. Mm-hmm. It, it's got it's got uh, Scottish dad bod dudes just rushing uh, like uh, English soldier turret guys. <laughs> it's got like magic sci fi eyeball technology. Like what's not to love? I really love this film. It is. It's so much fun. It's. Which I know sounds like very very strange because we have been we have been dealing with with kind of catastrophic news for so long. But I watched this film and its opening sequence is like eerily prophetic. But I watched the whole thing and I was just sort of giddy with excitement about everything that I was seeing because it's just so much kind of like visceral fun in this film. Yeah, I I completely agree. Like every every moment of of watching this movie, it's just like it's so good and it's so exciting. And like the characters, are like especially when we get into Mad Max world, aka Scotland, like yeah. <laughs> everything that happens in Scotland in this movie is just so much fun to watch. Um, I mean, it's this is this has got everything. It's got Adrian Lester or like just kicking ass. It's got Malcolm McDowell monologuing like hell. Um, it has got um, it's got Rona Mitra playing basically a female version of Snake Plissken. <laughs> it's got <laughs> it's got everything that you might you might want. 
So uh, for people who have not seen it, very quickly, the premise of the film is that in 2008, a highly infectious, deadly plague breaks out in the city of Glasgow, Scotland, called the Reaper virus. The reaction of the British state is to enforce a quarantine, enact martial law, and rebuild Hadrian's Wall, sealing Scotland off, leaving everybody inside to die. Twenty-some years later, the Reaper virus appears in Scotland, in London, and a crack team is sent north of the wall to go and see if they can find a cure. Where should we start with this, Ash? Where should we start? I, I, I just want to start. So you're, you're absolutely right that, um, that uh, Rona Mitra is playing it like a gender-swapped a gender swapped snake blitzkin. <laughs> She's so cool. There's, there's another gender swap character that I, that I think is also really bold, and that's um, Alexander Siddig, who's playing Prime Minister John Hatcher, <laughs> which is absolutely not a reference to any any formerly living extant prime minister. The, the Hatcher is just a completely fabricated name. It is, it is in no way close to a former British prime minister who is famously hated by most of Scotland. In fact, pretty much all of Scotland. I, I, I was going to say, like, pre- pretty much like there's, there's a vast majority of people alive who, if they know Margaret Thatcher, they hate her. <laughs> <laughs> the, the female counterpart to America's Ronald Reagan despised the world over, except for in their home countries, by, by conservatives and far-right types. Yeah, by weird conservatives uh, who have a, a kind of fairly disgusting psychosexual relationship with Thatcher um, yeah. because <laughs> because that's 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 the the sexual neurosis of weird conservatives always finds expression in their politics as we have talked about on the show before but yes Alexander Siddig plays a um John Thatch Margaret Thatch Margaret Hatcher Margaret John Thatcher John Thatcher what's going on clearly a coincidence a, a who is um uh, and the prime minister in this film is a vacillating coward who is ready and willing to basically f- destroy half of london to contain the 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 viral outbreak in order to safeguard their own skin um they um and they fa- they they fail they they're just they're just it, incredibly ineffectual i mean one of the best things about this film is it shows that the british state is run by venal cowards who are incapable of doing anything properly (laughs) (laughs) i mean accurate (laughs) um uh, and there is um david o'hara who is playing the prime minister's um enforcer canaris and Canaris goes on to become a government advisor to the contemporary British government, um, helping Boris Johnson deal with the COVID-19 outbreak. Um, <laughs> Canaris, what I really like about this film is it doesn't shy away from a an understanding that for certain kinds of political power, viral outbreak is a useful crisis and that's i'm kind of quoting almost verbatim from naomi klein there right so canaris towards the very end of the film um says to our uh to to our our, uh gender flipped snake pliskin um that he is going to use the virus as a means of population control and there is that i i know this is something that we've both noticed 
that there has been this kind of worrying eco-fascist discourse that has been part of how how culturally we've been talking about COVID-19. This whole thing of like, we are the virus, which has gotten turned into, I will admit, a very funny meme, but has with it some kind of worrying implications that it's very easy for people to fall into this kind of trap of thinking that you know maybe maybe that's how we that's how we kind of build a better world is is on the foundations of bodies of millions of people um and that's the implication that's why ecofascism has to be kind of thoroughly rejected and repudiated yeah yeah i, I couldn't agree more I, and i think like this movie does a really good job of interrogating that because it it kind of like deftly portrays it at a systemic level you know because like yeah a lot of kinar at the end of the movie um canaris is secretly recorded talking about how the virus will, will wipe out undesirables and it will be a, a great success and it, like it's it's very very parroting kind of like a hitler speech oh yeah very completely. intentionally and but early on in the movie like canaris is kind of like this weaselly wonk you know, he's, he's he's talking about policy. He's talking about, you know, saving millions, but he's really ambiguous about whether or not he's talking about people or money. Yep. You know, he's he's really concerned with just kind of manipulating power and gaining himself a political advantage. You know, he's not he's not like a mustache twirling bad guy who's out to exterminate the undesirables. He just wants to accrue wealth and power. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um but I think um, uh, to, to to quickly speak to the point about like nature returning, I do think that's one of the beautiful things about this film. Like when you see like Scotland has some of the most beautiful and majestic landscapes on the planet. And when you yep. see 80s Mad Max punk rocker cannibals return to their natural homes in the Highlands and in castles and in, 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 in Glasgow, it's just it's just beautiful. It's beautiful to see Mad Max war apocalypse warriors back where they belong. It's, you know, nature is healing. Nature is nature is <laughs> truly healing. Let's talk about those. Let's talk about the Mad Max. Let's talk about that. The Mad Max homage. Um, do you want to kind of set it up for people who have maybe not seen the film? Yeah, totally. So, so, so basically, what goes on is that, like, yeah, like as you were saying, they they discovered that the Reaper virus, which is just like like mega rabies, you get it and you're rabid for a bit, and then you just melt. Um, yep, you turn into a puddle of goo. And then they, they, it was it was originally in Scotland. They walled it off. They they sentenced everyone in Scotland to die. And as part of that, um, Britain became a failed state. The world turned their back on England because of the sheer inhumanity of what they had done to save themselves. And so now we're in a situation where England is in essential freefall. You know, like at the beginning monologue, they let us know that there are hundreds of thousands of people unemployed. You you get these really like eerie shots of like the streets of London just full of you know people just milling about but what we find out is that they have like a secret spy satellite that's been watching scotland and they found out that like oh their people are back so there must be a cure and they, they yep. send a crack team of like cops and soldiers and scientists over the wall to try and get the cure and bring it back home uh un unbeknownst to them scotland is now ruled by two warring factions and that's uh Mad Max 80s apocalypse soldiers in Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> or so you're either you're if you're in Scotland after this plague in 2035, you're either a Mad Max apocalypse warrior straight out of the 80s and you're like a psycho cannibal 
Yeah, you you love you love eating people. Yeah, you, you, I mean, you just gotta love it. It's just it's just you know nothing nothing fills you as quickly, right? Apparently not. <laughs> but like it's it's either it's either that or you are in like a medieval castle and you are a ye olde knight uh, who is ruled over by your lord Malcolm McDowell. I mean, you gotta accept that. I mean, it's the natural order. It's the natural order. And so, and so, yeah, like our, our protagonists go over the wall. They enter into this like bizarre and chaotic imagining of, of an apocalypse Scotland. And, uh, and then uh, just madness ensues from there. So we arrive in Glasgow. We arrive in Glasgow and the team is wandering through this deserted city. And suddenly we are attacked by characters which are directly out of Mad Max. Um, what, do you th- what, do you th- what do you think about what this film is doing with like homage and genre and parody so i i think that this movie is so successful because it's so open with how camp and ridiculous it is you know because like (laughs) like 28 days later is really close to what this movie is doing and 28 days later is is a serious film it's very grim um but like when once you have mad max soldiers fighting literal medieval knights uh con- contrasted that against the the free falling collapse of the english colonial project yep you you get like maximum parody and maximum camp and I, I think that's what makes this movie work and makes this movie so successful right is because you've got on one hand you've got the sheer unrealistic camp of like I, I can't stress this enough mad max soldiers versus medieval knights um, battling, yep. battling along Hadrian's Wall. So you like weird time stuff going on here. But you've got that contrasted with like the literal status quo of the British government and what they're doing today. You know, and like that yeah. really <laughs> makes the camp here successful for me. It's because uh, aesthetics and a lot of the plot devices are purely ludicrous. But the the Prime Minister Hatcher is an incredibly realistic character, and especially you know. 10 years, 12 years later, um, after this movie comes out, you've got Prime Minister Boris Johnson literally doing everything that this camp ridiculous Prime Minister Hatcher says he's going to do. Yep, enforcing quarantines and lockdowns, restricting travel. We haven't quite got to the point of rebuilding Hadrian's Wall, um, but it would be something they would think about. I, I was going to say, but like, we're going to tweet this episode next to like the Sun article suggesting that they do that. <laughs> Yeah, I I think this is this this film is I kind of I kind of said this to you before we started recording that this film was made by um Neil Marshall and it was the biggest budget he'd ever been given at the time uh to work with. And so clearly what happened is that the studio went, "Okay, Neil, here's 30 million dollars. Uh so what genre are you going to make your film into?" And he just went, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because we have a Mad Max ripoff, we have an Escape from New York, we have uh, a Knight's Tale, we have like political thrillers, we have like a zombie movie, we have a post-apocalyptic movie, and we've just thrown all of these kind of genres and styles into a massive blender uh, and turned it into basically a big filmic fizzy drink. Um, and it it is a lot of fun. I find it really telling that it's it's about a viral outbreak focused on Scotland. Um, because like the United Kingdom is a is is a nation is is not a nation state. It's a colonial project, right? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
it's firstly you had you had um sizable invasions of of Scotland and Wales you had the ongoing occupation of of Ireland um you have so Scotland Scotland in a way is the perfect site for express for making literal how Scotland historically has been treated over centuries you know uh, it starts it starts like Marshall said that he kind of came up with the idea for the film because he used to live near Hadrian's Wall and he wondered what would it take for the wall to be rebuilt and this is the answer that he came up with so it's like Hadrian's Wall was a very early indicator of a colonial imperial border you know, Scotland has always been in the cultural imaginary of, of the UK for certain sections of it anyway, as this kind of wild, untamed place that English soldiers will go into and um, kind of lay claim to. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that that is one of the best parts of the movie for me is that it's using Scotland as the site for like the start of this plague and it's using Scotland for all of the tension because of that historical relationship, right? Because of the fact that the Scottish are a colonized people, right? Like their their state is currently claimed and manipulated by by the government coming out of London. And I think like like in a broader context, this works so well because isn't that the story for most of the world? Yes, absolutely. And there's so many there's so many good parallels too, right? Like like I know I, I bring this comparison up all the time on the show, but like uh, Appalachia in the United States is a great example of this, right? Like Appalachia is a colony within a colony, you know, yeah. like the, the United States government has strip mined some of the most beautiful uh, country in the world for, for its coal resources. And the people who live there live in some of the worst poverty in the United States. They have some of the worst health outcomes in the United States. And if I'm saying some of the worst health com- outcomes in the United States, you in know the, it's in grim. the U.S. Yeah, geez. Yeah, we we have we have the healthcare capacity of like a, a failed medieval state, and if it's bad in those contexts, it is grim. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is. It's. I mean, if you think about it, like the way that's called, like I really, if I really recommend um, a play by John McGrath called *The Chevy at the Stag and the Black Black Oil*, which is about the history of uh, English Scottish relationships, um, and it talks about the Highland clearances, the enclosure of of common land, the way that oil has been kind of um, the natural mineral mineral wealth of an entire nation has been stolen. Um, and sent down to London the way that huge swathes of Scottish land were claimed by English nobles and turned into basically deer hunting reserves for them. Mm-hmm. So this is exactly, you know, if if, the, if this was a kind of serious viral... Like, in many ways, this opening, the opening sequence, especially of the film, is kind of like eerily bang on the money if you watch it now. But it also features Ash's favorite part of the film, which is basically brave Glaswegians fucking up a whole so, bunch so of English good. soldiers. <laughs> it's, it's so, so, so just like I, I love the opening sequence so much, right? Because it's it, it's it's simultaneously harrowing and hilarious because you've mm. got like these these Scottish people who have like their entire lives they've been beset upon by by like the the worthless English government. 
And then now, like, they're being quarantined because of this disease. And, like, the government is literally mowing them down with a turret as they try to escape. But because, like, it's it's the English military and, like, buttery soft is is how I would describe it. But, uh. like, <laughs> two, like, Scottish, Scottish, like, dads is how I would describe these dudes. Just rush a turret and take it over. <laughs> <laughs> also introduces um, Eden Sinclair, our, our heroine, our protagonist. Um, because she is, she's shot in the eye as a child, you know, and she, yep. uh, her mother convinces a soldier to, to take her back to England and, and let her escape the plague. Um, but like the, the next scene with her, um, her eye has been replaced by like a magic robot eye that, that can stream <laughs> constant video footage wirelessly to her watch. And like, Ye. she can like throw it and roll it around and like make it pivot. And like, it's just like. It's like a cute little sci-fi buddy that she has, but it's her own little robot eye. It's kind of adorable. But amazing detail about the ending of this film, right? So Eden Sinclair has been given the mission of retrieving a cure from 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 what they as from what they refer to as the hot zone, which is north of the wall in Scotland. Manages to do it, hands over a a uh, person who is immune survivors it turns out are born with with immunity so you can use the blood of a of a survivor to manufacture a vaccine but what she does is that she doesn't go back to england she remains in scotland mm-hmm. like someone who has been uh physically uh, injured seriously injured by the british state by the english state um is taken into it indoctrinated into it turned into a tool of an imperial power and then becomes hugely disillusioned um and ends up remaining in glasgow but assuming a new role and i think this this means that we should talk about maybe your favorite character in the entire film i think we should talk about sol yes let's do it um so (laughs) sol is the leader of the mad max apocalypse warriors (laughs) <laughs> and and he has like he is he is the apotheosis of of everything that makes Mad Max like the Mad Max aesthetic work, right? He's yes. always really happy, but it's like that kind of like <laughs> slight it's like that slightly unhinged happiness where you don't know where it's coming from because he has no right to be happy. I think it comes from being the leader of oh, true, a gang yeah. of a gang of post apocalyptic cannibals who love firebombs and and burning sean pertwee alive i mean like those are (laughs) that would make me happy (laughs) uh there's just a kind of like joy to all of them right like they're 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 so euphoric they have so much energy right and soul soul is like he's got he's got the outlandish like he's got a tank girl haircut right (laughs) he's he's wearing like just the coolest outfits imaginable because they're just stitched together bits of randomness but they work and it's the, like like all of this Mad Max stuff also has the same like one of the things that makes Mad Max aesthetic really successful for how weird it is is that it's all just kink aesthetic, and so like like there, there's, kind of, there's kind of like a full body latex suit fetish person that's just in the background of a lot of these shots, just kind of um, chilling. It's just like and, and so also much fun. who who is uh, literally strapped to the front of one of the cars in the final climactic chase. Yeah. Um, in which in which Sol is um, decapitated 
and who whose head flies at the camera with like a comedy splat sound effect. And the end of the film is Major Sinclair throwing Saul's head back into the ranks of the Mad Max Apocalypse Warriors and assuming her place as their new leader and and queen. For for the purpose, I can only assume of staging a march on the wall and burning England down to the ground. I, I really think that that's kind of like what the end of this film intimates, right? Is like, because she... What, what the Mad Max Apocalypse soldiers lack is organization, right? They lack discipline. They lack militancy, right? right? They, have, they, have the, they have the euphoria. They have the energy. They clearly have the camaraderie, but they lack yeah, direction. Absolutely. And what she kind of represents is, is direction minus, minus anything to have direction for, right? Like while, mm-hmm. while she's working for the British government, she, she doesn't really, she has no value. She doesn't care about anything. She's just going from job to job to job to job. And, and but when she encounters these people, her people, by the way, because she is Scottish. Yep, she's from this. She is from Glasgow. She she reconnects with what matters to her. She she reconnects with her family. She finds out what happens to her mom. You know, she she rediscovers her identity, and in that, she finds a, a pathway to liberation for herself and for her people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's what makes this film. There was a sequel planned, but because the film never did that well, uh, it never got a sequel. But I am, I am so disappointed we never got to see uh, Ma- Major Sinclair leading a glorious Mad Max post-apocalyptic army south of the Wall to 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 take retake York and then march on to London. I mean, all, all I'm going to say is that Neil Marshall is alive and ticking, and if there was ever a time for an upbeat movie about survivors of a global pandemic uh, rising up against their oppressive governmental structures uh it's right about now i I mean i think so yeah um oh also one final thing we should also shout out bob hoskins playing playing a a proper cockney copper who is (laughs) who is sort of useless and doesn't really do anything but is there to be the kind of like uh mentor slash um surrogate father figure who encourages and has clearly kind of taken an interest in in Sinclair um and in, you know is the one that she always kind of steals cigarettes from uh and he for some reason turns up at the end when she's found her house uh her fa- found her childhood home in in the hot zone mm-hmm. i love how they they really write that away she's like how did you get here and he's like oh yeah i used to be a cop <laughs> <laughs> and it's like Oh, okay. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, whatever. Sure, fine. Uh, <laughs> but Bob Hoskins, once again, proving that in any horror-inflected film, cops are always useless. <laughs> right? And I, I think, again, like like one thing we've seen in a lot of the horror movies we talk about is that you know, cops are useless until they stop becoming cops. Yes. Like Eden Eden is just bumbling, constantly getting herself cap- captured. And and doesn't really accomplish anything until she decides that it's time to betray the the people that she had been working for, until she yeah. reconnects with her Scottish heritage. She's just kind of a fool. Yeah, absolutely. But so I love I love how like every horror movie, you know, we're gonna have to do Maniac Cop one day and really just bring it home. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, but uh, do you have do you have anything else to say about Doomsday? <laughs> You know, I kind of wish we could give this a full episode. I really do, but it is 
I think it should. It's like a boot. It's like a B movie classic. You know, it is. It's so it's good. Just a, it's just a whole lot of fun, and I think we we honestly could give this a full episode. Um, but if you have never seen it, uh, maybe we'll do an HV watch party for patrons using Doomsday because it's if we can. But if you've never seen it, please do check it out. It's made by uh, a really talented filmmaker. It's got a great cast, um, and it's just it's just a big fun roller coaster. Yeah, this this movie is is not only fun, but it's got a lot of really solid messaging underneath the fun, which which just makes it all the better. And I think the beauty of these short pandemic episodes is that these all can easily become the seeds for for future episodes. Oh, a hundred percent, completely. But if you've never seen it, do check it out. As Ash says, it's got some great um, great messaging about the the genuinely corrupt evil of the British states um the the kind of nihilistic emptiness of eco-fascist population control uh it's got uh eden sinclair who is just a great character um and yeah it's 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 really it's a really enjoyable kind of post post post-apocalyptic thriller yeah i can't i can't recommend this movie enough (laughs) amazing well there we go there's um that is another that's another pandemic episode thank you so much for listening um, I hope you've had fun. This was a this was a this was a fun episode to do. Um, as always, uh, we are going to continue putting out these episodes weekly or as as frequently as we can to help us all kind of find some shared common cultural space to deal with what we're going through. But thank you so much for listening, everybody. Wherever you are and whatever you're doing, please stay safe uh, and tune in next time for another pandemic special. Ha 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 